You're listening to the Corporate Quitter Podcast, where it's all about exploring possibilities for making an honest living outside of the traditional nine to five. Hi, everyone. This is Gabrielle. This is the third episode of Corporate Quitter. I have on today Alex Gilbert, who runs Capable Consulting, which primarily focuses on helping adults with learning disabilities or ADHD. And I'm so, so excited to have Alex on because she and I are connected through a really good friend, Adam, who is amazing. So Alex, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. And I I love that I'm one of your first guests. And I think this is such a great concept for a podcast. So thank you for having me. So I know your story knowing Adam, but so can you tell me a little bit more about how you got into consulting and did you go to school? Then you decided to leave. Did you just right out of high school, you knew you wanted to work with people in this area and you went for it. Like what happened after high school? What happened after high school? So much. I mean, I've been out of high school for a really long time. I've kind of had this idea basically since I was 16 that as someone who's been diagnosed with dyslexia and ADHD, along with a number of different learning disabilities, I was really privileged in the sense that I had so many resources, you know, in my school district, not just that, but like my parents were also helping me financially and emotionally to be able to support me all the way through college. So I had a ton of different resources and I was, I needed it in order to stay on par with other students and years. And I had that all the way through college. And then when I was in college, I went to Indiana University, which is a very, very large university. And I was obviously struggling to try and figure out how to manage my disability, but also figure out how to be on campus in a completely different place. And I became very close to the now former director of disability services at Indiana. And after I would kind of gotten into the flow and done really well as a student, she would call me every semester and say, Alex, I have a student. I'd love for you to talk to them about like how to talk to your professors, how to figure out where to study. And she called me every semester. And I think I got to junior year of college when I finally said to her, you know, there's over 40,000 undergrads who are at this university, over a thousand of them that use disability services, which I later found out now it's almost 10,000 students who use disability services why don't you have a program like this? And she kind of said to me, you know, we didn't have the time or the motivation or the budget to really do this. And I was like, okay, can I be your time and your motivation to do this? And she was like, sure. Like she kind of laughed it off. I was like, when can you meet with this student? And I was like, okay, I'll do that. But I came in the next week with a PowerPoint presentation of how I was going to start the peer undergraduate mentor program or pump which was a mentor retention program for students with disabilities. And the program won a number of different awards from the university and from the city. And I also won a number of awards for this. So I thought I knew exactly how I was going to survive in the real world because I had everything like mapped out until I graduated and I knew nothing. All of those resources that I was fortunate enough to be able to have all the way through college didn't exist in the workplace. And it didn't not only didn't exist, I didn't know how to advocate for myself. I was so stressed out all the time, burnt out. I, my mental health suffered. And it was really upsetting to me that here I was being so successful up until this point, And I couldn't 
knew what I was being trained to do, which was function in the real world. So kind of as the pandemic hit and I was laid off from my job, I kind of said to myself, why wouldn't I go back to something that I was so passionate about and that I understood so deeply? I've been doing program and leadership development for the last you know, decade. And now I was getting to figure out a way to fit this in, in a space that needed it the most. That's so awesome. And it's actually funny you said Indiana University, because I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure my mom actually went to Indiana University. So Hoosiers. Yeah. And she, you know, she actually went to get her pilot's license, but she didn't end up completing. But she, oh. she went from like this small, she grew up in Deer Park, also on Long Island. So she went from a smallish school to like Indiana and was like completely overwhelmed. Oh, yeah. So totally understand that. But I'm curious to know. So, you know, these roles the past couple of years, was that your mm-hmm. main job before basically shifting into capable consulting? Like, so between you graduating from college, what were you doing, quote unquote, in the real world that helped prepare you to start capable consulting? So I've been doing a lot of program and leadership development. So that means working with different, I was working in nonprofit mostly. So working with different organizations who were trying to build up their leadership platforms and their future potential leaders. So I would do different programs that were specific to helping them build their confidence, helping them talk to different groups of people, really a variety of that. I also was programming activities from little kids to adults, a whole variety of things. I also did a lot of leadership programs that were happening simultaneously, one of which was in like 160 locations at one time. But the whole point of doing that was to help give confidence to people on how to talk to others, how to lead others, how to be a leader yourself. And all of that was for me was coming from a place of you need to start where they are and you need to understand what their understanding is. And that's kind of how I would put together programming. There was a specific campaign that I had in my last job that I was working on and it was a year and a half campaign, an election campaign, essentially. And we had to train different lay leaders who knew absolutely nothing about this campaign to then try and convince people to vote. I mean, to go from point A to point B was impossible. So I had to start thinking of like, who is going to receive this information? How can we make this understanding on their level in order to build it back up to the person who's educating? Does that makes sense. I mean, it's it's so many layered pieces, but yeah, it's a lot of strategy and it's a lot of understanding challenges from a lot of different levels, which I think is very unique to someone who has learning disabilities and ADHD, because that's kind of generally how a lot of people think who have learning disabilities or ADHD. They can see the small details and the big picture all at the same time, which is crazy. When you were working for this nonprofit so you were specifically working with these people on leadership. Did you find while you were doing it that you were finding more people who had these learning disabilities coming to you because you found that connection of like, hey, I have the secret sauce that worked for me. Let me share with you. And that's kind of what led you into capable consulting. Like, I know you're doing the leadership and development before, but like, and I know you having your own learning disabilities is kind of like maybe why you're doing what you're doing now. But did you have experience prior with people like that? And then you realize, oh, you know, I would love to bring 
my experience, my story to the world and help these people in that's in these scenarios that they're having every single day? It's a combination of so many things, but I would say, I mean, I've, I've always spoken openly about my disabilities, my learning disabilities and ADHD. The thing is, most people that I would talk to about it, including lay leaders, like volunteers that I would work with or big donors, I would tell them that I had a learning disability or ADHD. And they're often very surprised that I did because I would, I, I didn't get their stereotype, I should say, of oh, someone who yeah. had a disability. And so that to me was actually a bigger motivator than talking to more people occasionally people who came to me and said, I also had a learning disability or also had ADHD and this is what I'm struggling with. But it was more that people were seeing a stereotype or thinking of a stereotype and assuming that someone was not capable. And then they met me and thought, but she's really capable. And so it was more kind of that. And then I started really doing a lot of research in addition to the research I had to do in college to put together Huh. with knowing all of those skills and knowing how capable and thinking about all of the different skill sets that I brought to the table, but other people brought to the table that weren't being used and also understanding that there's a huge correlation between someone who has a learning disability or ADHD and struggles with mental health. I think I've, I've most of what I've read is about 80% of people who have ADHD or some kind of learning disability also are people who have anxiety, depression, or OCD, some type of mental health piece. So I knew that going in and it was really more like I fell into this. If that Does that really answer your question? I want to- Oh yeah. Okay. I mean, you also like, I have to also congratulate you and like say that you're awesome for even coming out and speaking about like, what it is you deal with, because on a day to day basis, even people who aren't who don't have learning disabilities have struggle when they voice that they have mental health, you know, they're experiencing depression, anxiety, mm -hmm. all these things like it's very difficult for people, I think, to pinpoint or um, make others aware. So the fact that you went right out in the beginning, and you said, hey, this is what you know, this is what's going on for me, you know, it inspires others to also be willing to have those difficult conversations. So that in itself, I yeah. applaud you for that. But Thank you. now taking that and making it, as you like to call it, harnessing your superpower, which others may seem as your flaw is awesome. Because right in a, in a perfect world, right, none of us would have flaws, but we all have flaws. And so- oh, 100%. You know, people can look at it as, oh, that's a negative. That's a, that's a carve in the, in the perfect stone. But at the same time, I think- that's what makes us really unique. And it is what makes us special. It's just a matter of you tweaking your perspective to actually view it as such. Yeah. And there's so many added layers to that. I mean, I, I think it also comes from, especially if you've, someone like myself who was younger and knew that they had these disabilities and had resources and constantly feeling stupid because, and I, I should really put that in quotes because I, not stupid, but constantly feeling that way because you don't fit in somebody else's box that wasn't created for you. And so when you don't fit that, you think there's nothing exceptional about you. And I was kind of growing up pretty much told that if I wasn't 
great in school or great at these subjects that I wasn't. And I know that so many people that I've talked to and so many clients that I've spoken to have also expressed similar things, whether they were diagnosed early and knew it or, or didn't. So I don't know. I never really looked at it as a negative because I think it also comes from the fact that my parents never treated me differently. My friends never treated me differently. The things that I was good at, I think, are really part of the disability. I am an amazing problem solver. I mean, you could ask any of my friends from high school who are still some of my closest friends, they would tell you if they had a problem, I was the only person who was going to solve it. So like, how could that be a bad thing? Oh, yeah. I mean, now, now that you say that too, like, do you find that your clients that you work with, they're always like, oh my God, you have all the answers to the problem. It's like, you can figure it out, like put the pieces together in the puzzle, find the missing link that I couldn't connect this whole thing to. And, you know, there we go. We wrap it up. Yeah. I mean, I, it's, it's funny. I had, I, I do something called um, declutter sessions, which are a three, a, a free 30 minute declutter your mind session. So if you're just wanting to talk to someone and sort something out that's really stressing you out, but you can't figure out what to do next. Um, that's what a lot of those sessions are. And there was specifically, I had a, a client who came to me for this declutter your mind session. And she was telling me how she was really struggling with different tasks. And she was setting up all these reminders and she had 14 different to-do lists. She really liked having alerts on her computer. I'm like, but do you ever pay attention to them? Or are they just an annoyance when you're doing something? She's like, they annoy me. I'm like, okay, so that doesn't actually work. You know, just taking apart some of the pieces that like, of course this makes sense. And then I'm zeroing in. I'm like, but does it, you know, does it fit your needs? Does it make you think this, you know? That's so awesome that you brought that up. Cause I, I feel like over the past, I don't know, like decade, let's say my whole adult life, I've been really trying to find what works best for me in terms of productivity, right? I'm building a business. Do I need to schedule things on a calendar? Do I need to write it down? Do I need an agenda? Is it alerts to my phone? And sometimes I put things on my calendar, I jam pack it in because, right, if I jam pack it in and plan out all my time, right, then I don't have to wonder about what I'm doing. But then what ends up happening is I jam pack it so much that I actually don't give myself like enough time to actually finish this, the thing. Do so the then work. I end up by the end of the week, I have so much on the back end that I didn't do because I didn't factor in enough time. So then I'm annoyed. Mm-hmm. And then I work, then I'm procrastinating. And it's like this whole ball of like, this isn't working. <laughs> like, What's the fine? I yeah. need to find something else. Yeah. And that's really, it, that happens a lot. It, that happens to a lot of people, especially where in this culture where the grind is like so elevated as like, that's the goal. You want to be so busy that you you don't have time for X, Y, or Z. But for someone who has the disability, for example, there's something called executive functioning disorder, where you can't quote unquote organize or think through all of those thoughts to be able to even plan and put it on your calendar or anything like that. And I, I like to say can't organize because I think anybody could organize. I think anybody has the ability to do really anything. It's just a matter of figuring it out in a way that makes sense to you because nothing is going to be sustainable or work if it doesn't make sense to you and it doesn't work for you. So sure, like putting so many different things on your schedule and you get to the end of the week and that doesn't work. Okay. But what did work? What was some of the pieces of that at work? Did you like having meeting blocks? Did you like scheduling time 
to get your work done is, are you more productive in the morning? Are you more productive at night? Just thinking about what comes naturally to you makes it easier to plan out your day, plan out your week and really feel your best. And that's really what I'm trying to help a lot of my clients do is get to know yourself. And that's really hard. It is really hard. And I find that there are so many strategies and it's like, at least for me, I feel like I read a ton of books and I'm constantly trying to learn to find right what's the next best thing. And sometimes it works and sometimes it's another rabbit hole that I went down. But, you know, like it is exciting because more like an onion, the more layers that I peel back, the more I get to the, like the core of who I am. And it makes me excited because I'm like, oh my God, like, this is the thing that lights me up. Or like, this is the thing that really works. Maybe not as traditional, maybe it's not traditional in the way that it works, but it works. But who says it needed to be traditional? No one. I know that like, yes, you're right. No one. But I, I feel that it's changing now, luckily, but our generation and the generation before us school made you like you had said Mm -hmm. put you in a box and if you didn't fit in that box or answer the questions correctly like you were deemed as dumb or incompetent or that nothing was going to come of you so it's almost like people they're going now into the adult life even though they're not answering questions and not in a school setting with the same mentality of like oh but I don't fit in the box that to me has always been the most frustrating thing ever I mean, I think most people and most of my clients that I speak to, but most of most people that I speak to, who especially have a learning disability or ADHD, feel like failures all the time. And they are, and there's a lot of trauma that also comes with that because I mean, I, I could specifically tell you, I had a teacher in fourth grade who made my life a living hell and thought I was stupid and would hover over he was six foot four, he would hover over me. And just constantly make me feel stupid or just never understand why I couldn't understand. I'm thinking like, if I can understand, don't don't you think that I want to understand? Like, this is, what don't you get here? But when you have that in the back of your head all the time that somebody's thinking you're failing, it reminded me, I don't know if you're a friend, friend fan, but one of my favorite episodes is they're playing football. And Chandler is yelling for Rachel to catch the ball. And she's like, I almost caught him. And he's sitting there and he's like, great. Now the score is seven to almost seven. Like, that's the entire life. Like, I do remember sure. that scene. It was such a cute scene. I remember laughing because it's like, you know, it is two sides of it of like you tried, which is, I think, something to take into account and then versus you not trying. But, but failure is so interesting because it's, Sure. It, it's important to fail. You have to fail at some things in order to learn, but you can't feel badly if you fail at someone else's expectations that are not your own. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. So you know, good. I, that's just like my, my biggest frustration. And something that I've said is like, that's my biggest failure is listening to somebody else create these these expectations that weren't my own. And I needed to be able to create my own that were achievable sustainable and help me thrive and your version of the success which in the past week I feel like I've had so many conversations with people about that on we're conditioned to think success is the big house the yacht the job title the puppy the white picket fence all the things versus like you know what is it at that you actually like is it that you want to sleep in until seven every day and then start your day are you a night person like 
Do you have a certain way of working? You need a standing desk. Like, I mean, those are even, those are minimal things, but I mean, just in general, like, is your self-care hap- like more important than a dollar? You know, that's something to take into account too. For sure. And that's actually something, even just saying some of those things, I'm thinking about some of my clients who really not only just struggle seeing that visually for everybody else, because they just stand there and think like, why can't I be normal? What's normal? But also just thinking about the fact that, yeah, it it just looks different. And that doesn't make you any less or any more than anybody else. It's, It's different and different is good. If everybody was the exact same, we'd have no innovation. It's completely true. Yeah, it's true. And I think I especially see this in my brother's generation. He's 10 years younger, so he's a Gen Z. -er. They are really pushing the envelope when it comes to like being different and trying different things and really embracing authenticity. I mean, even in marketing, like back then, people would just slap, you know, slap on a tagline. They just did things very differently. Like you could easily get a salesman in there and like, you know, they would say all the magic things and they could be all fake and sell you on a product. And now like that doesn't cut it. Like we don't want that. We want the real deal. We don't want the fluff. None of the BS, no facade, like give it to me how it is. Yeah. And I, and I would even go back to just working in general that we're talking about the fact that people are starting to talk more about mental health and talking about their needs. As I said, I talked really openly in every job I've ever had. I think I, in every interview I ever had, I would talk about the fact that I had dyslexia and ADHD and people were always surprised that I'm thinking, why wouldn't you want somebody different? Why wouldn't you want somebody who has the skills that I have that are not the same as everybody else? I mean, someone who is an ultimate problem solver, someone who can see small things and big picture at the same time, someone, you know, all those things. Why would you want somebody else who can't do those things? I, I actually laughed on an interview when somebody asked me if I knew how to multitask. And I realized she wasn't kidding when she asked me that question. I was like, wait, 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 wait. People don't know how to multitask? And she was like, no. Like, oh my God. You know, it was, yeah. it was one of those things. It's just, yeah, I like, I like to think different. And I, I think that's part of embracing who you are and it's okay to do that. And I know not everybody is comfortable doing that. And it, I don't know how much that's going to change, but there's still ways to advocate for yourself without actually sharing the part that makes you feel vulnerable, which is yeah. a label. Yeah. I do think that like you had said, it's, things are maybe slightly changing. We still have a ways to go, but the fact that they're even like the, I used to work in a super corporate, like stuffy job. And they were even getting to a point of introducing, you know, they had a mental health hotline. They had someone on staff who was there. I mean, I don't know if I would trust them to use that, but like, it's still nice that they are at least trying to move in the right direction where they're supportive of people from all walks of life. But, you know, yeah. And that's also kind of why I've been doing, so I, there's two aspects of my business and one is consulting, which is mostly for corporations and organizations and companies who are really trying to make their space more adaptive to people with ADHD and the aspect of my business really came from being the person on the other end of it who wasn't having any of those services or any of the support. 
But one of the things that I've said to, you know, some corporate clients is to say that, think of it as this. If you create an entryway to your building and you have a ramp as your entryway, that becomes accessible to everybody, accessible to those who are physically bound to a chair, to parents pushing a stroller, anybody who's walking who can make their way up, you know, the ramp. That's essentially what I'm trying to do corporate-wise is trying to provide information and provide support for all of their employees because everyone can benefit from having something as simple as providing noise-canceling headphones if you are in an open space environment. I mean, that would have been amazing. Like that was, I mean, I don't know if I have, let's say a, a learning disability, but I know if I had any noise going on around me when I was trying to work, it would I wouldn't be able to get anything done. So I always was putting in headphones that were noise canceling, but then I'd get not in trouble, but it would be kind of like a nudge or like a suggestion of like, you shouldn't listen to music at the office. And it's like, well, I'm listening to piano or meditative music because I need to focus on this report. And it's like, it's like regression. Like I'm, I'm doing this to do a better job, not to be a, a crappy employee, you know? Right, exactly. And it actually probably made you a better employee for, not only standing up for yourself to say this is what you're doing and why, but also to say this isn't working and this is why I'm using it. And that's really kind of what I'm trying to say. Is that I don't, I, my first, one of my first bosses wouldn't allow me to wear headphones and I was in an open office space and constantly, constantly getting interrupted. How could I do my job? I mean, it was, you know, for someone who gets distracted easily, you won't be the do well. So why would you allow me to do what I need to do in order to help me do my job well? So it, it's pieces like that. I mean, it's very, something like that seems very simple, but even setting up the environment for the corporations or the companies to say like, this is available for everybody. sets up a whole different tone of we're trying to help you succeed because it benefits us too. Oh, yeah. And I think if it was framed differently, like, because even before I started, like when I right when I first started my job, I was on my best behavior, didn't put the headphones in was like proper and primp and like all the all the things. And so as I rose up the scale of, you know, I'd been there for a while, I felt comfortable, I knew people I wasn't going to get tattled on. That's when I started to add the headphones in. And it, it was only when they framed it as distracting or as an excuse or like, you know, basically I was going for the entertainment route versus the work route. Was it then brought to my attention of like, oh, oh, oh like, wait a minute, like you actually need to reframe the way you're approaching this, not me. You yeah. know, like think of you like you're basically going into this assuming the worst versus maybe asking if it's a strategy that's working and going to be more productive and make you more money in the long run in a sense. Right. But I'm glad you framed it like that because I didn't even really 100 percent think about that myself stemming off of that, like you have a fresh new client or you have a group of people in this corporate environment, like, and you know, they're all frazzled, different, you know, different personalities, strengths, weaknesses. How do you go about actually starting to work with them and come up with viable solutions right from the get-go, right? Because you can go to someone and say, oh, put in the noise canceling headphones. But as you had said, there are people who have these traumas they need to work through, self-confidence issues. Like where, where do you even begin? So when it comes to my coaching clients, I, I would say the approaches are similar and different for coaching versus um, corporate consulting. But for my coaching clients, I really want to focus on 
starting where they are. And I even call my package, my, my three month package, getting to know you. I love music. So all of my packages are named after music, but that in particular is getting to know you because I, there is, you can't really solve any of the problems until you know what the root cause is. So if they, if someone is coming to me and saying like, I'm really distracted and I'm starting a new job and I, I don't know how to put my schedule together. I'm like, okay, let's do some activities of, do you actually know how to organize? How do you organize your phone? Do you know how to, how do you organize your email? Just going through and kind of breaking down the barriers of how do you think? How do you feel? What are things that are triggering you? What are things that make you feel your best? And kind of getting to the root of you, I think is the most important piece to solving the problem of whatever it is that they're struggling with. And sometimes they don't actually even know what they're really struggling with because they haven't dealt with some of the emotional trauma that's come up over the years, or they don't realize that they're overcompensating for X and they don't realize the perfectionist gene that is so prevalent. Every client that I talk to of everything has to be so bulletproof perfect because they're afraid of failing and afraid of somebody calling them out. And I would say in terms of corporations, it's, it's similar. Start where you are. What policies are you already have? What's your environment like? What what are things that can be adjusted versus have to stay still? Is there flexibility in text? I mean, it's really, there's no exact science. And I, I, part of my coaching strategy and really strategy in general, it's always been best principles versus best practices. Best practice assumes that everyone can do the exact same thing, the exact same way and end up with the same results. That doesn't work. We even talked about that earlier in this podcast already. Like, that doesn't work for everybody. And to set it up so that it does, what? what, you know, why would I do that? Why would I set you up to fail if you already feel like you're failing? So I like to think of it as best principles, which that we have the same goal and how we get there is going to be up to you and what we create as your end goal and success. So yeah, I love that. that. That's Thank so well you. put. No, but really, it is Thank really you. well put because I don't want to keep going back to corporate, but I there were many times where, you know, you're expected, again, expected to do something one way, expected to dress a certain way, act a certain way, speak email, you know, type emails a certain way. And it doesn't always work for people. Like not everyone is super bubbly and peppy and they're out there and they're ready to go. And then there's other people who, you know, they work best when they're quiet and they're alone and they're in a controlled environment. And it's like, there's nothing wrong with either way. There's just, they're just different ways. That is it. That's it. And they all have their strengths in that. You oh, want yeah. the bubbly person to be able to talk to potential client and do sales pitches and things like that. You want the person who is, you know, really quiet, but really diligent and can put together packages to sell whatever it is the other person's selling. Everything has a benefit. It's just a matter of what you look at it. And that's one of the things that I would also say is that a lot of clients that have come to me are realizing that they're maybe not in the right career space or environment for them. And that's something that I've always wanted to think about. And in the future of my business, really work with soon to be college graduates and helping them figure out what does success look like for you when you're working? Because everything that in my experience and from what I've 
talk to my clients about everything that you did in school, all the possible tools that you had, everything in your toolbox then does not even come close to coming to like your every day in the workspace. Exactly why I'm doing what I'm doing. Like it, the stuff we learn in school is very rarely helpful for what we actually need to use to be successful in the adult space. Like it's still, it blows my mind and it's frustrating. And I feel so bad for these upcoming kids. Well, even, I mean, my generation, every, right. Every generation that comes through the floodgates of like, you hit the 18 year old point and they're like, okay, figure out the rest of your life. And you're like, well, I don't even know like who I am. I don't even know what I like. Cause I've been told by my parents what I'm supposed to like for 18 years. What the hell? Like, right. Yeah. Well, what you're good at. I mean, yeah. It's very interesting. I'm also finding that a lot of my clients, because of their ADHD or learning disabilities, they're very creative and they're very hands-on. And so half the time when someone's like, oh, well, I work in marketing. I'm like, okay, this makes so much sense. Um, you know, this, this is where your creative juices flow. I'm like, okay, they found something that makes sense to them. I love those moments. I love those moments when people feel like Alive. they're doing something that they're good at that they enjoy that yeah that they're alive and that's the thing that I a lot of people don't think about when you have a learning disability or ADHD you don't you don't think about those end results I've even talked to some special education teachers that I worked with you know that they said they were hoping that all of the skills that you were taught throughout school would help you in your future I would say I had one resource room teacher, she was my first resource room teacher, who, her name is Mrs. Paley, Mildred Paley, was the hardest teacher I have ever had, and the most unbelievable teacher I've ever had, and she used to say to me all the time, because I would memorize everything, literally books, full books, cover to cover, I'd memorize every single word in a page, and she would say, like, what does that mean? I'm like, I have no idea. (laughs) Well, if you can't explain it to me, you don't understand it. And she would go through all of that. Or she would, I would say something like, I'm done. She's like, are you a turkey? No, Um, you're finished. You know, she would, she would talk to me in a way that I understood, but also forced me to re-explain everything I thought I understood so that she could understand. And it was those skills have been a lifelong lesson that I will take with me forever. And it's also how I program. And I think I'm constantly asking people, have you even done it on this podcast? Like, does that make sense to you? Did you understand? You know, it's, that's important to communication. And so, yes, if I'm going to take anything with me from school, it was, it was pieces like that of not being made, being made to feel that I wasn't stupid, but helping me think and learn in a way that made sense to me. It's the only lesson I'll take. It's so great that you had someone like that to push you along in a way that worked for you because not many people can, you know, share that same experience. That's awesome. No, I trust me when I say there's for everyone, there was several that didn't work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, like that. Yeah. But so I I want to ask you, let's say for people who are listening now, you know, they're either working, they're in school. What would you say? is a good starting point for whether it's managing that overwhelm or finding out who they are, like which piece of the puzzle should they start off with first? And what's something that you can recommend as a strategy? 
Like if you had to take one thing away from this episode, what would it be that I can put in place now? I think narrowing in on your own habits and your own like quirkiness, your own, your own thoughts, your own transitions from one part of your day to the other. Some of the activities that I do with some of my clients is really just journaling. And I don't mean journaling, like writing full paragraphs and pages. Sometimes it's as simple as it's 312 and I feel X. Just taking note of different parts of your day that help you think about, okay, this is how I'm feeling this part of the day. Is there a pattern in how I'm feeling in this part of the day? If I'm feeling, let's say you're saying, I'm feeling really tired and burnt out at this part of the day. Can I make adjustments to that part of my day? So I'm not planning meetings at that time. I'm going for a walk at that time. I'm getting snack. I'm taking, you know, my dogs for a walk because most people at this point, I think are still, a lot of people are still home because of COVID. So it's some, it sounds so simple. And a lot of this is, but these are huge, huge wins in order to make any kind of a change is small changes every day. So if you can even notice the small changes that you're doing every day, it's easier to make the adjustments. That's so awesome. And it, I'm glad you touched on that too, because I, it was a couple months ago, I found this lady on TikTok who she's really great. She's wild. She uses the technique of, um, I'm not sure if you've heard it, but it's like, you could be a bear, you could be an owl, or you could be a lion. It's just like three body types that they, this is what they call them. But essentially it's, you know, you kind of act as that, that being that creature. So an owl is someone who is most productive and most alive at night. And then they're very sleepy during the day. Whereas like a bear is someone who likes to, you know, wake up early in the morning and, and they're good until noon. Then they take a bit of a rest and then they get up again around like four, they have their second wind. So that helped me tremendously kind of in the sense of what you had said about taking inventory of what works, because I noticed personally around like two, three ish, maybe four sometime in the day, I have a slump and I need to like physically stop myself from doing anything and either lay down, read, go for a walk, recharge in any way possible. And then I can get up and be productive again. Because if I just force myself through the two or 3 PM slump, it's going to be a crappy day. Like the rest of the day, it's going to be a struggle to push out content. I'm going to be so like miserable. Honestly, I'm going to be exhausted versus if I just took the hour to myself, respected what my body's telling me, and then go ahead for my second win going to be so much better. going to go about it so much quicker. It's going to be so great. Totally. And I think that there's, um, there's a lot of shame for people who have like ADHD in that just, just even in some of what you said, yes, it's normal to have like a slump at the middle of the day when you've been staring at a computer since 9am. But a lot of people with ADHD don't take breaks. And I think I'm just going to power through and I have to do this and I, I, I'm just going to do it, but it takes them 10 times longer to do it. They weren't focused. They probably made a lot more mistakes because they were too tired and couldn't focus. They didn't have the extra dopamine that was really giving them the energy to do it. Well, that's not going to make you better at anything. It, it's the, the power of like pushing through and there's, talk about it. Like I just powered through and, you know, good for me. It's like, what? Like there was nothing about that that ended up like I even talk I have a blog that I'm writing about this, but 
I look at those emails or projects that I sent off to big clients when I powered through because it was that slump in the middle of the day that I couldn't focus. I can't believe I made this mistake. Oh my God, I'm so stupid. Why did I do that? Is that productive for anyone? I'm going to go with no. So yes, finding like finding those moments and picking up on the habits that you're making is only going to make it easier to prevent them from happening because you can figure out what triggers your your day. It's also, look, I, a lot of people that I've been working with are working from home and that presents its own challenges. Some of my clients are thriving in that environment because they don't feel like someone's watching them to be doing their work from nine to five and never getting up from their desk. They've had the flexibility of, sure, if they're the owl, as you mentioned, working at night, if that's when they can quote unquote hyper-focus, which a lot of my clients do because of um, ADHD, does it matter to anybody that they just spent like three hours getting worked on that could have been done during the day, but it was perfect? Who cares? Yeah, seriously. And that was something I learned during COVID when I was working from home is like the beauty of slowing down and like recognizing what works and what doesn't. Because if I wasn't, if I wasn't stuck at home, you're, I was caught up in like the shoulds of life and like what I needed to do because that's what they told me versus doing what I need to do based on what my body felt like I needed and what my heart is telling me I need. And like, you know what, I'm going to work from my, from my couch and lay on my, lay on my back and have my laptop on my chest. And that's how I'm going to work today. And it works perfectly fine. If you know that about yourself, then that's a win. Yeah. So that, that's kind of what I work on. That's awesome. I, all that is great. I, I'm going to start taking more into account, like take notes as you will, like take inventory of what's working and what's not. But before I wrap this up, I wanted to ask one final question, which I ask all my guests is if you could give your younger self advice, what would it be? I mean, I've had this business idea to start capable consulting since I was 16. I didn't necessarily know the name of that. And I've always tapped into little pieces along the way that were I thought going to help me eventually make this business. But I also felt like the jobs that I was taking were taking me further away from starting capable consulting. And not only was it not doing that, it was the most important thing I could have possibly done. I have learned something so valuable from every job I've ever had, whether it was how to talk to bosses, how to be in different working environments, dealing with different types of people and different settings, just different types of roles that I've been in over over the last decade. It wasn't pulling me away, it was pushing me closer. And if I had allowed myself to really hold on to that big picture, but also take the time to really focus on those little details that I was talking about, ask questions, learn to fail, network, really just, Take the time to be that sponge and absorb it. If, if it's your dream, you're going to make it happen. And it's it's okay if it's not right now. There's probably a reason it's not happening right now because you haven't learned all that you needed to do in order to create the best version of yourself and the best version of your company. So well put. And I couldn't agree more. Like me quitting my job and moving out of the city was probably the scariest thing I've done to date. And yet I know 
me being in all the jobs that I've done in ad tech and investment management and real estate and marketing has led me to being where I am now. And I have all the tools that I need to do it that I wouldn't have had if I did it right out of college without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. I would have been terrible at this. Like, (laughs) right. Oh my God. It'd be so embarrassing. (laughs) I didn't think I would have, it would have failed before it started. So I'm, thank you universe for putting me in a lot of other jobs that were more beneficial for me to learn. Um, And I've had great relationships with all the different companies and organizations that I've worked with and all the, you know, the different bosses that I've worked with. So they, I've learned from them, but they've also learned from me. And that's also important to know that you left your mark on all yeah. of those jobs too. You know, a lot of the jobs that I've had, I remember somebody said to me, they'd never worked with somebody who had dyslexia and they didn't know how I was thinking or how I could do things. But again, I was a really good problem solver, probably better than anyone they had worked with before. And they, you know, that to me was exciting. Maybe somebody else didn't tell you they were dyslexic, but at least now you're thinking about this differently and opening minds up differently. I just want, I always wanted people to stop thinking about people who have learning disabilities or ADHD and thinking less of them or thinking they were not capable. Stop underestimating them. Yeah. Because I'm sure, I'm sure you probably heard this before, but most entrepreneurs are someone who has learning disabilities or ADHD, but they're so sick of being in somebody else's box. Yep. So it's yeah. So awesome. Make, make friends along the way. That's also something I would say. Every, also everyone's going to be in your corner in the end, as long as you, the right people, you, the right, the right people, people are, are going to be in your corner. Yep. Yeah. 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 They're exactly. That's why you don't want to burn any bridges. So that's yeah. also something I would say. <laughs> All the things. <laughs> Well, Alex, this has been so awesome. I'm so glad you were able to come on here and kind of give us a little bit of a taste of what you're all about. If people want to reach you, get to know you more, want to look out for your services, where, where can they find you? So my, my website is capable, so C-A-P-E, able.com. So capableconsulting.com. You can also find me on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Instagram on Facebook and LinkedIn, it'll be Capable Consulting LLC. And on Instagram, it's I am capable. Remember, we put the cape in <laughs> able. So it's spelled, it's spelled phonetically due to my dyslexia. <laughs> and I'll be putting all this stuff in the um, description of the podcast if anyone wants. But Alex, thanks again for coming on. This has been awesome. Thank you for having me.